Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 14 of the show and in this edition we'll be taking a look at the latest Resident Evil crossover with Capcom's all-star card collecting and battling mobile hit Teppan. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cy and joining me on the panel this week, believe in the heart of the cards, it's Fire Button Steve Valance. Hello. Royal Flush, it's Serial Box 64, Jordan Subru. Hello. And can you just DM me those three numbers on the back of your debit card? I'm just trying to see something. He's our special guest this week, a competitive Street Fighter player, a CCG connoisseur, and a lifelong Resident Evil fan. It's Broly Legs. Welcome, Broly Legs. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This episode of the podcast is being recorded live in the First Aid Spray Discord server, which you can join now to hear unedited podcasts and contribute to the conversation in the text chat, as well as talk to us and other Resident Evil fans about the series. It's also a good place to put yourself forward for the file reading so you can appear in the show and to ask questions for our bite-sized discussion segment. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast or on all of our social media accounts. So before we get into the show proper, uh, I want to do a proper introduction for our guest, um, Brody Legs, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, some of our fans are possibly aware of you, uh, and some of them might not know who you are. So give your give the fans a little lowdown on you. Yeah, I'm um, a big uh, esports uh, fighting game player uh, from Texas, uh, United States. Uh, I've been competing for about 15, 16 years, dating back to Smash Brothers. Uh, just a big time gamer. Uh, all around, I've been playing a lot of uh, different games, not just fighting games, just games in general. And uh, Resident Evil has been one of the, my most favorite series of all time, playing since original. And uh, also, I forgot to tell everyone, I am disabled, so I do play with my face. Um, but yeah, check me out, look me up on YouTube and stuff like that, and uh, get to know me, uh, play some games with my face. <laughs> not many people can say that, I guess. Like... That's why I say some of our viewers, listeners, whatever you want to call it, might be aware of you is because you were featured in ESPN not too long ago because of the fact that you are, I'm going to guess, the only competitive fighting player who uses his face uh, on the controller, um, which is pretty cool. But like you say, like that's a real good mix of genres. Just, just to introduce you with playing fighting games, card games, and Resident Evil. You said the first game was your introduction. Um, what was your favorite Resident Evil uh, game at this point, and how do you feel about the franchise uh, at this point in time man you know i I really enjoyed uh the remake of one like or like the remaster of one for the longest time uh i mean i did love two the original two but once that remake of two came out it's been like my most favorite game of all time like i love playing that game i love you know delving into it playing the campaign mm. uh i mean i love most of the the series uh in general honestly but if i had to pick a favorite it would have to be the two now uh, it's just really great yeah yeah that's that's kind of fair like i think we we're all pretty surprised with just how good that game came out after all the years of people asking for it and stuff um it's really good to see people being like yeah this is my favorite like certainly it walks have... that silver bullet line it really does doesn't it everything it's brilliant for that 
Yeah, that's that's completely fair. So before we jump into the podcast proper, we do have a little bit of housekeeping news at the top. Uh, immediately following the recording of the show right now, uh, James, aka Moist Owlet, is going to be streaming on his Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash Moist Owlet official. He's going to be playing Daymare 1998, which is the first... Uh, first aid spray organized stream is going to be doing it on his channel and the video on demand is going to be on our YouTube. So if you're listening to this podcast after the fact, do head over to our YouTube. Again, link for that is in the description. Uh, you can watch that stream after the fact and make sure you hit subscribe because we do have some cool stuff coming up in the pipeline as well. Um, the guys over at Invader um, Development sent us over a code. They were gracious enough to kind of ask if we would like to do something for them for the game. So yeah, it's really cool to have that opportunity and stream Daymare. For those of you who don't know what it is, it is a game that started off as a Resident Evil 2 fan-made remake um, and became its own kind of, gave its own identity over time. And uh, yeah, the game is now out on Steam. Uh, it's planning to come to console down the line as well. If you're interested in Daymare 1998, check out James playing that. Uh, over on our YouTube channel. So, with all that out I'm of so the way... I'm so proud. Yeah, I know, I just, isn't it great? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I introduced him to Resident Evil last year, and now he's going to be spreading his wings. Absolutely! Playing... <laughs> <laughs> he's the Daymare guy now. <laughs> so, with that out of the way, let's dive right into this week's news. So, our first piece of news is that Capcom confirms an offline mode in Project Resistance is going to be available, as well as multiple masterminds. So, How I'll do you just, feel about this? I'll just read some of the most important quotes from uh, the article here in question. Um, they said, The version that we showed at TGS 2019 was an online game mode, but we're fully aware that there are many Resident Evil fans that expect the story in the game. In an effort to satisfy our fans, we will have an offline mode that is focused on the narrative component. And also, at TGS 2019, you only experience Daniel as Mastermind, but there are many variations of the Mastermind. The same goes for the survivors, and there are more survivors with unique skills and looks that we are planning to add into the game. Uh, obviously, we talked a fair bit about that second point in our previous podcast, about the potential there for other villains and stuff and, and which tyrants and things they would have associated with them. It's cool to have that 100% confirmed now, so wild speculation begin. Um, how do we feel about this uh, this single-player mode? What, what can we expect from that? What do you think, Steve? Uh, honestly, I feel like they're probably going to still keep it in the Operation Raccoon City kind of level of things, where it's not really canon. But hopefully, I mean, I would be like down for like Umbrella Chronicle-style retreads of like you play RE1 and you play as, you know, Chris, Jill, Barry, Rebecca versus Wesker, or something like that. You know, it's ground we've already covered, so you're not going to upset people if they say, oh, it's just a retelling. Um, yeah. Otherwise, people, well, I don't know if you know this about Resi fans, but they can get a bit they can get a bit upset when Cannon's muddled around with. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. I do, I mean, I have lots of different thoughts on this. I think you're probably right. There will be some kind of way that they just like stick all these events together or some kind of explanation for why you see all these events, whether it's like a training of these soldiers or whatever it is, um, like they did with Umbrella Corps. It'll probably be very thin, but it's something that it's there. Hopefully it's not Umbrella Corps like levels of bad, but it's something. Jordan, you weren't on our previous episode, so you haven't had a chance to talk too much about this yet. What do you think of Project Resistance so far? Well, from what I've seen so far... Um... It kind of it met my expectations that 
it was going to go for something that I mean, it's obviously it's more multiplayer focused and online focused, and um, it's it does seem to have those vibes of things like Dead by Daylight and stuff like that. The Four Furses one, or even uh, if people remember the online, the sorry, the multiplayer mode in Zombie U uh, all those years ago, where you could have the gamepad uh, player versus four oh, of the players yes, that's playing right, on the screen. Yeah. Um, with regards to a single player offering, uh, again, I kind of keep expectations sort of metered because I, I don't think, I think they'll do enough to make it functional as like an offline mode. But, uh, you know, as far as kind of story, uh, you know, and then talking about story, I feel that's probably a bit lofty for what this project <laughs> is, which is ultimately just about a new gameplay type, um, you know, with, you know, a Resident Evil aesthetic. So slideshow cutscenes. Maybe something like that, just <laughs> yeah. to kind of just to kind of lead you into a mission and yeah. lead you out of a mission, and and a bit of cannon thrown in. But I don't, I don't think it needs that much, to be quite honest. It's not that type of game. So, um, I mean, you know, as a fan, I mm. probably I, I wouldn't care that much about there being a whole load of story in it. That's for main entries, yeah, and and you know, in some cases, spin-off entries. But for this, I know what it is as a product. And I'm, I'm fine with it kind of being a bit sort of light on those details. That's fair enough. I think, and this is like a bigger conversation for another day, but I'm starting to think of these newer titles as a separate timeline. I really am. Um, remake 2, Remake 3, if it happens. Uh, and this game are probably in their own kind of separate universe from the original games. And um, I even then I feel like Project Resistance isn't really going to add much to the kind of ongoing narrative. I, it, is, it feels like it's going to be very separate it's 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 really not going to contribute too much to the overall ongoing themes and stuff i would expect broly you seem to be pretty excited about uh project resistance if i'm not wrong uh, how do you feel about this news yeah um i i beat this as a kind of like a copy and paste of left for dead mm. uh, the left for dead series uh just you know you have your uh team of four players and you're battling against you know another player that's controlling the you know the bad guys or the zombies or the infected and um you know i'm really excited for this just because uh we haven't had any kind of like left for dead kind of style game in a while mm. uh i remember it just was such a great fun game to hop on with friends and play um you know just to be able to survive and i think that's what this game's gonna be all about um story-wise i feel like it doesn't really have to do much with uh story elements i think they're gonna just have these survivors be placed in these different settings you know you you definitely can use the raccoon city uh, the police department you can use the mansion you can use maybe you know the castle from resident evil 4 you can definitely use the streets of raccoon city things like that um just like in left for dead where you were placed in a hospital and pool and in a circus for crying out loud um <laughs> You know, you, you definitely have all these stories now. I mean, I'm interested in how they will, you know, show the story, but I'm not really, um, you know, my expectations are, are like kind of like everyone else's. They're just a little low on that. I'm just more amped up for the multiplayer. And I think it's going to be something really fun just to have these kind of characters, and this style of Resident Evil with these gadgets and these, uh, you know, survivability is main theme so i'm pretty uh looking forward to the game, how it goes yeah i think i mean like steve mentioned like 
there is something to say about negativity and there is an evil um, fandom, if you like. But at the same time, if you look in the right places, there are plenty of people that are excited about this um, just because it offers something different and just something fresh. And it's going to be something that's tiding us over towards the new game, the new main series game. So I'm just, I'm all for it. And it just, it's, uh, as people that are sort of part of the community, um, it's going to be fun for us to engage with other people. And actually, I mean, Resident Evil has tried online before. I'm really hoping they stick the landing with this one because it'd be nice to have a fun online game to play with other Resident Evil fans and that kind of thing. Um, the quality... I mean, I, Go ahead. I was gonna say, sorry, I was going to say, I think last time I said this, but just to, to reiterate, re- <clears throat> just to reiterate, I mean, they stuck the landing on RE7. They stuck landing on RE2 Remake. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a different team, but I think they've earned a little bit of, like, you know, try and experiment, yes. have some fun with it. That's fair. You know, that's the way I see it anyway. Absolutely. And uh, so the game is having a closed beta. Um, as of the time of you hearing this, most likely it's over by this point or just at the close. But we will be reporting back on that, obviously, um, in our next episode. Um, so we'll get to see kind of firsthand how it feels, or at least I will, because <laughs> I'm in the beta. Um, so everyone out there listening, please do feel free to hit me up and we'll see if we can arrange something that weekend. Because more than anything, I'd like to play with other people I can connect with rather than just randoms. Um, just just to see how it would really feel in that cooperative environment. So, uh, yeah, consider that a PSA. Hit me up this weekend and see if we can organise something. So I just wants to hit you with his best maniacal laugh. Hit my friend of the mastermind. <laughs> I've been working on it, I promise. <laughs> for our next bit of news, Resident Evil 2 2019 has been nominated for Best Audio at the Golden Joysticks, and Capcom have been nominated for Best Studio. I think this one's self-explanatory, but what do you guys think? Yeah, there's not too much to say on this one. I mean, it's hard to argue with Resident Evil 2 getting best audio, or at least being nominated for best audio. Um, you just got to think of like the tyrant music and the stomping of his boots, and that's that's been one of those things in terms of audio in gaming in 2019. That's up there as something that kind of sums up the year, I feel like. With regards to the sound, I mean, yeah, like there's not much to say apart from that. I think it's deserved. Uh, you know, it's it's got some fantastic sounds. Um, you know, both in the soundtrack and and just the atmosphere, because it was re- it was going to be really tough to kind of nail that atmosphere when they were taking away the majority of the sort of the music that plays during Resident Evil Two and focusing more on the environment. So I think they were successful in that in a really good way. Yeah, absolutely, and similarly. Being nominated for Best Studio this year, kind of hard to argue with that. Resident Evil 2, absolutely, like we said earlier, uh, lived up to a lot of expectation. Devil May Cry 5 was a huge success. They got Monster Hunter as well. Like, it's been a really, really good year for Capcom. How do you feel about uh, both of these nominations, Broly? Well, yeah, I definitely agree that it's well-deserved. The sound, like everyone's been saying, the atmosphere is what really set the tone for that Um you know, I can go back and just think about all the little moments that I had, you know, having zombies come from around the corner, the screams that they had, stomping of uh, Tyrant, all that just really made the game so much more memorable for me. And, of course, all the games that have come out this year with Devil May Cry 5 and Monster Hunter Iceborne, Catcom has been really doing well. Uh, I know over the years they kind of been stumbling, but they mm-hmm. really hit their mark here and really excited to see them back and all those awards or nominations are well deserved absolutely 
And for our last story, then, this one's kind of a lot more sad, just to brace yourselves. Uh, Olivia Jackson, stunt woman on Resident Evil The Final Chapter, is suing the film's producers after a life-changing injury. Now, uh, I don't know what everyone's fe- feelings are towards the Resident Evil films. Uh, and I know we kind of sort of didn't completely hate the first two. Mm. But this is just like... I, I feel like she is absolutely in the right to do this. Yes. So, it's a shame. Um, because... Obviously, we all really enjoyed doing that recent episode where we talked about those two films. It came out. It was a great success. Um, this has kind of put a sour note on the Film Club episodes, I feel like, uh, which we'll be doing in the future. But nonetheless, just to add a little bit more detail, uh, let me just read from the article here. Um, Livia Jackson was supposed to film a fight scene, but at the last minute was asked to perform a dangerous and technically complex motorcycle scene in adverse weather conditions. That's a quote. Uh, Jackson's suit alleges that during the scene, a camera attached to a crane was supposed to elevate above her head as she sped forward on a a motorcycle, but the crane operator failed to raise the camera and the camera cut through Jackson's face, leaving her teeth exposed, twisted her soldier, ripping out five nerves connected to her spinal column at the root. She was placed in a coma during a surgery that saved her life, but she was still left without one of her arms. Uh, She's now suing the defendants, which includes Paul Anderson and Jeremy Bolt and their production company, uh, all of the production companies involved. Uh, Jackson alleges the defendants caused her nightmarish injuries, then shamelessly abandoned her and welched on their promise to provide financial support to cover her medical expenses. Uh, The suit alleges they skimped on insurance and that Jackson was left without financial means to cover the medical care, which is obviously the absolute worst part of it. As she said, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're living off the cash cow of that movie, which is... Uh, raked in over $300 million internationally. And also, as this article, I wasn't even aware of it, as it points out, um, the suit also alleges 11 actors were injured on the set of the previous Resident Evil movie, Retribution, which was released in 2012. So this is an ongoing uh, issue with the Resident Evil films that they seem to be putting people in harm's way. And this... uh, Olivia Jackson, if you look at her IMDb credits, and uh, shout out to Sonny Bow for pointing this out, she's been in a lot of highly successful movies. She was in Mad Max Fury Road. She was in one of the recent Star Wars movies. And for all intents and purposes, this is, you know, this has done no good for her career. Could have ended it. Like, oh, it depends how she wants to pursue from here. But, I mean, it's an awful situation. There's n- I don't really know what else to say. It's just, just terrible. Agreed. What strikes me about this is that um, th- this whole situation feels very much like a small production mindset. Now, that's obviously not the case with the Resident Evil films. They still make a lot of money. But uh, almost almost you know any production worth its salt needs to have that kind of protection um, you know, for all actors and all cast and crew. And, you know, from the sounds of it, it's just not there. And what's more, they're not doing anything sort of in the aftermath to to really protect the people that have been affected uh you don't you don't typically hear of these stories thankfully mm. but even if there is something that does happen on set you know I, i've known of quite a few high profile movies that have had some serious injuries especially to stunt doubles and, and such like that uh, but they're, they're handled typically internally because the, the studios understand the importance of the injury and they try and give as much support as possible. The fact that this has become so public, um, you know, the, the fact that the actress has had to kind of step forward, you know, take this to court publicly, 
it says a lot about the production in how far they've stepped back. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, more power to her. I, I, I obviously really hope that uh, every, everything kind of comes back to it because it's it's just it's poor from from the production studio. Um, I mean, maybe I'm kind of going a bit ahead of myself to say this, but it, it could well put a break on Resident Evil films in the in the future. I mean, I understand where so, you're coming from. Definitely. I mean, it's gonna if it if the new story gets more traction, it could definitely sully the name in terms of uh, in terms of film, um, and they might want to put some brakes on that new project, which obviously is completely unaffiliated, but because it's brand recognition, isn't it? So yeah. Um, but you're right. Um, she deserves, uh, you know, what she's looking for, um, what she was promised, even in fact, which hasn't been delivered. Um, just- Sorry, if you can get ready with a sensor button, I think we can sum it up with what they are doing is really, <laughs> really. <laughs> I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll I'll let it slide. <laughs> I think that's a fair note to end it on. Um, let's let's make this a little bit lighter and uh, let's talk about the main topic of this episode. And now, reading the file Watchman's Diary from Resident Evil 2 1998, Mitchell A. Pruitt, who you can find at mitchellpruittsvo.blogspot.com. August 11th. I finally had the chance to see blue skies for the first time in ages, but it did little to lift my spirits. I was reprimanded by the chief for neglecting my duties while I was up in the clock tower. There's only one thing I still don't understand. The chief seemed to be more concerned about the fact that I was up on the tower rather than that I was neglecting my duties. Why was access to the tower prohibited in the first place, anyway? September 5th. I recently talked to the old man who works in the scrapyard out back. His name is Thomas. He's a quiet man and really seems to enjoy chess. He even went so far as to design a special key and lock engraved with chess pieces on them for one of the doors in the disposal yard. We made plans to play chess tomorrow night. I can't help but wonder how good he is. One thing that's been bothering me about him is the way that he's always scratching himself. Does he have some sort of skin disease, or is he just rude? September 9th. Thomas was a much better player than I had imagined. I used to think of myself as a fairly decent player, but he did a pretty good job of humbling me. But the only thing I imagine that could match his skills in chess is his appetite. All the guy did was talk about food throughout the entire game. He sounded fairly healthy, but he didn't look quite right. I wonder if he's okay. September 12th. I was supposed to play another game of chess with Thomas, but we had to cancel it because he hasn't been feeling too well. He stopped by to see me, but I told him to go back and rest since he literally looked like The Walking Dead. He insisted that he was just fine, but I could tell he was really having problems. Come to think of it, I haven't been feeling too good myself lately. So, our feature of this week's podcast is Capcom's all-star card game, Teppen. Before we talk about what exactly Teppen is, I was going to go around the room and I'm going to ask everyone what their experience with card gaming in general is. Uh, Speaking for myself... um, In terms of video games, I got heavily addicted to Hearthstone a couple of years ago. Um, Not quite sure where that came from. Not particularly um, caught up with Blizzard's games in general. It's not not really my thing in in general. But something about Hearthstone just grabbed me uh, and I just played it 
ridiculously just like every waking moment for a couple of months and then just dropped off. Um, so Teppan for me uh, is kind of a re-entry to the card collecting genre. Um, Jordan, where do, you, where do you start with card games? Where do you end with card games? What's your history? Well, uh, I mean, uh, you know, to put it straight out there, Teppan really is kind of my first experience um you know with the the card collecting game series um i haven't played really any video games of of that that type of variety obviously i know about them and i've especially seen uh the the kind of popularity spurs over the last five or so years that they've really kind of jumped out um but for me like the closest i got was sort of collecting trading cards for uh, the pokemon series mm-hmm. um on and off over the years which i'm back into now <laughs> um but I've never actually sort of played the games. I, I always found them um, maybe maybe a little bit above my uh, my mindset as far as it comes to gaming. Um, but yeah, that's that's my experience. That's, kind of limited. That's fair enough. Like Pokemon is about as complex as I go with actual card games, and even then, I'm not that good at it. Um, this is coming from someone who worked in a comic book shop where their main draw was Magic: The Gathering, and I would always look at it like. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to get into it, but also knowing that my bank account would, you know, not survive. Uh, yeah. Steve, what's your experience with card games? My, I think my, mine's even worse or lesser. <laughs> uh, like I've played, I've played the Resident Evil deck building game, uh, but that's not collectible card games. That's that's a deck building game. And the only other game that sort of counts is a mini game. It's in Final Fantasy VIII Triple Triad, <laughs> and you know, you, you try me on that, I will beat the living daylights out of you. But, Bring but it on, like, that's what I say. I love that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Teppan's my first real foray into it, and to be honest with you, I'm having, I'm having a fun time with it. Struggling with the, shall we say, the gameplay aspects, I'm sure we'll get into a bit later, but I'm having a fun time nevertheless. That's good. Uh, so yeah, pretty much a, a Luddite in comparison <laughs> to you folks. So that's fine. Broly can uh, can can outdo us all. Uh, you've got like a list, basically, of CCGs. Yeah, I right? have to make up for everyone over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, um, yeah, I've been playing uh, card games for a long time. I remember playing uh, Pokemon tournaments when it first came out, mm-hmm. um, and then I got into Magic: The Gathering right after that uh, for a long time. And then uh, when Hearthstone started coming out, and all these uh, mobile games and on the computer card games came uh started being uh apparent in the mainstream uh i started getting into it uh really liked hearthstone uh you know fell in love with it played it for a couple of years you know dabbled with shadowverse for a bit uh and then now i just into tempest and it's one of my favorite games right now i'm totally addicted to it uh just it's just so fun and it just brings out that competitive side of me that I like playing and, and I know all the characters and, mm-hmm. you know, first ran into with Chun-Li and then I just started, you know, going on and on. So, yeah, I have so much experience with card games, love collecting Pokemon cards, love collecting, but at the same time, I love competing as well. And this kind of gives me both the collecting side and the competition side. So uh, I really like it. Yeah, Tepid's really cool. That's great. Awesome. So I will explain for the listeners at home that maybe haven't tried out Teppan uh, exactly what it is. So you should. It's free. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, that's what? that's the most important part, actually. If you don't know what Teppan is, by all means, pause this podcast, 
Go and get it for free on iOS or Android. Give it a go, see what you think, and come back. Uh, but for those of you who are curi curious but not so sure, uh, let me run you through some of the basics of it. So Teppan was produced for Capcom by Gung Ho Online Entertainment. Uh, if you know of them, it will most likely be because of their involvement with the Ragnarok series. Uh, they also made Puzzle and Dragons, which was uh, a hugely successful mobile game for a little while. Uh, as we said, it's free to play, uh, iPhone and Android, and it kind of came out of nowhere uh, this summer. I wasn't really aware of it until it came out. Perhaps I was missing out on the, the PR and stuff, but I feel like it was just suddenly Twitter was talking about it and it was here. Um, it stars many, many classic Capcom characters that we touched on already as playable heroes. So Street Fighter characters, Devil May Cry characters, Darkstalker characters, Monster Hunter characters, and in terms of Biohazard, the game features Wesker and Jill Valentine, who was released as a free update in August. And then she was followed by the game's first major update uh, with its second set of cards, which is entitled Day of Nightmares. Still to come in November, Nero from Devil May Cry will join the fray. Uh, that'll be free as well, I expect and a new card set, presumably based on the franchise, will come with him. Um, from the website, Teppan is a card game that combines real-time and turn-based systems. Unlike other turn-based games where you simply take turns playing cards until someone wins, Teppan allows players to use their discretion to switch into a real-time mode over the course of the game's five minute battle time. The most thrilling aspect of Bass was in Teppan is figuring out how to outwit your opponent and time your moves better than they can. So to explain a little more of what exactly that means, over time you and your opponent will gain MP, which can be spent on playing cards from your hand. That's unit cards which land on the battlefield and attack the opposing side automatically over time, or an action card. The number of cards you play and the cost of them earns you art points, which is AP, which then allows you to use one of three of your character's specific hero arts and the goal of the game like many card games is to break through your opponent's defenses and do enough damage to their hero in order to win so that's the bare bones of Teppan. Obviously, there's a lot more to it in terms of specific rules, and maybe that'll come up, maybe it won't. Um, so let's go around the room. How do we feel about the basics of Teppan and how it plays? Obviously, the most important aspect there that makes it stand out is the fact that it's way more active than other turn-based card games. Uh, Broly, why don't you start us off as you're, you're more of the expert. How do you feel about the way that Teppan plays? What sets it apart? Um, well, yeah, just the, the, the speed of the game is is much faster than most other games. Uh, it does kind of have a little similarity to Shadowverse in the, in the way where you're kind of like waiting for your mana to fill up. And once you have the you know, right amount of mana on your card reaches that amount, you can play it. Um, you do have three slots uh, to play your unit cards, which are basically, you know, oh, I want to play. Chris Redfield, or I want to play Ryu, uh, you know, creatures in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, you do have three slots per for battle, for, you know, for your side of the battlefield. And, um, you know, it's just really fast. Um, you get to, you know, read, there's not much flavor text reading. There's not much, um, you know, having to decide what card is that. You know, the base set is really small still because it's new. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's really great. Um, not too complicated to play. Uh, again, you know, it's free, so it's definitely something you can just jump on right now and they give you a bunch of packs, things like that. Um, and and just, you know, leveling and, and competing is not, you know, not hard at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got to jump into it really quick, and it was uh, it was just, it was fun from the get-go. 
and it gets more and more fun once you start collecting more and more cards. I think that's fair. Like the first couple of games that I had, I felt a little bit confused by the fact that it is so different from other games that I've played that would be similar. Um, but once you figure out exactly the, the bare bones basics of it, it does get fun really quick because everything's very punchy. The the games are short. You have to be at like, you're not, there's, I mean, there is a fair bit of waiting now and then. Um, and that's an aspect of it. And we'll get to that. Um, but, but yeah, it's way more punchy. There's always something going on and to look at and to sort of plan ahead. And like you said, actually, that's a, something I hadn't realized until you said it. Like all the games do come with a little bit of flavor text, but more than that, the descriptions of what they do are really straightforward because if you're playing a game and you've got your hand in front of you and you have a specific amount of time that you need to play cards in, you need to be able to read what's going on. So um, I like that it's it's really punchy and straightforward. Uh, Jordan, how do you feel about the basics of Teppan? Well, yeah, I think they, you know, Capcom know who they're, appealing to here they're, they're kind of trying to get sort of almost two markets here because you know in essence it still feels like a fighting game um and if you're if you're coming from you know that side of the sphere then you're immediately going to get some kind of idea of, of how the mechanics work and you know for, for me obviously being quite a novice in in any kind of card games that's what helped me get into it because i could at least understand um how the flow of the game uh, you know worked and what exactly I was trying to work towards and that it's not exactly the the card versus card that you you know want to be getting yourself embroiled with it's trying to get to the actual character and trying to work down their health and in that respect it's it's kind of it's easy to jump into um I mean I'll be I'll be honest when I started like playing the first few rounds I didn't really know what I was doing and so when I would win, I'd be like, that's great, but I need to learn more about how I did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but, the, but the fact that it's there, the, 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 the fact that like you are able to kind of jump in and not necessarily you know, be too storied in experience with card games, it helps a lot. Uh, I mean, one thing I, I definitely can't say is that it, it doesn't have depth. There's just so many cards. You, you could spend a very long time kind of building up different decks and um, th that's kind of an interesting pull because if you start with the game not knowing too much about it, but you start getting a couple victories and you start sort of learning the ropes, there's a lot to kind of sink yourself into after that point. So, uh, no, I think it's I think it's very interesting because I, I've not really kind of looked at many card games, and to be honest, it's it's looked very um, it's looked very kind of indecipherable to me be mm -hmm. because there's so much going on but i would say especially because it's on it's on uh you know smartphones it's a lot easier to kind of get into and figure out the basics at least mm -hmm. and i think like you say there is a lot to it in the sense of like just figuring out what kind of play style you want to go with because mm -hmm. I, I, this hasn't been mentioned but each of the characters are kind of separated by a certain i'm not sure what the word is what they what the official terminology is like a type um, like there's green characters, red characters, purple characters, black characters, and all of these types have different playstyles. And even with them, characters have s like slight variations on this playstyle. So you know, like whether you want to be more attack or if you want to sacrifice your own um, hit points and stuff to do damage and stuff, it, it opens up there. It's not just hey, pick a bunch of cool cards and make a good deck. You actually have to be a bit more specific about what color cards you are you have and and build up from there. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about Teppan in general? Well, like, being the uh, the noob 
of the of the crew. I was kind of more of a muddling through and just appreciating the sheer speed of the whole affair and the aggression to it. Mm. Uh, in particular, you know, Ryu being probably the, I mean, he's the starter character and the fact that you can just like you can just funnel card after card and then all right, Shinkuadukan blast and just mm. you know the, the level of just going through your decks at speed. I mean, not all the characters play that way, admittedly, but I appreciate the pace and the aggression. It, it, you know, I'm not that well learned on the game in terms of like you know it's deeper strategies and stuff like for the most part i was using the base packs you know as you said for each like each character has their own like this well starting loadout most part i've been playing with them and i've been having a really fun time with it um gameplay wise i mean i do like the fact that for example i mean we're probably gonna go into this a bit more later but like uh everyone's distinct jill's like little buffs and things with her explores and loading bullets onto things mm-hmm. but I I feel almost unqualified, really. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I, I, that's I, fair I, enough. I've had fun. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the most important thing, really. And we all, like, the the three of us that don't have as much experience have all said pretty much the same thing. It's like, it's confusing for a moment, but you pick it up because the game, like, the games are short. So you, you can get through, if you're not enjoying a match, like, or you go, you'll go down quickly or you'll win quickly, you can move on to the next thing and apply. Well, seeing those glowing learned. lines, those glowing lines, I was like, oh, I've got to move, but my MP's low, but I've got to move. Ah, 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 <laughs> well, exactly, ah. right? So that's part of it. Like, there is a, an element of waiting, but like, sometimes it's a tense kind of waiting to see if mm. the plan in your head unfolds correctly or if your opponent is just building up a bunch of MP to unleash this powerful unit or a whole sweep of game-changing moves. Um, so, yeah, so so the building MP, like you, it's best not to have zero as little as possible in case of an emergency, but it also kind of tests your resolve in that way and your patience because um, if you aren't placing cards, your opponent might get ahead of you, that kind of thing. So... It, there's a t- there's a tenseness to it, especially when you're playing against other people rather than AI. And the, like you said, the game does have um, like a sort of story mode and a bunch of offline battles, which I've mostly done. But it 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 can ramp up when you're doing player versus player, and you know there's someone else there who's uh, just just watching the screen like you are, and they've got a plan, you've got a plan. It just that's the that's the pure essence of card gaming, I think. It's definitely um, something that you really have to pay attention to, like you. You mentioned before with MP, um, you know, just to, just so everyone knows and all the the listeners out there know, um, each color you said there's red, green, black, and purple. Mm. Red is for damage, um, or like attack. Uh, a lot of it has to deal with like they're like themes. So uh, red is like there's a lot of cards that do damage. There's a lot of cards that power up attack. Um, green is like covery. Mm-hmm. Uh, green is like building your health, building the health of your creatures, and it also does a lot of uh, MP charge. Basically, there's you know good cards that uh, creatures that have abilities that uh, will increase the charge of MP. Um, just to give you like a like a hint, um, for every MP charge, it takes about three seconds. So uh, and you have ten MP total if you use one color. If you use two colors, you're only allowed five MP. So they do kind of like branch out. You can even use three mm. for three MP, but nobody really does three three colors. Most of the time, you're going to run into people with one color or two colors. Um, and once you're using two colors, you can't use the maximum like six MP and above. The, they won't let you put that in the deck. They'll let you only do five. Um, 
So anyway, so green is uh, recovery and basically just amps up your charge, lets you play cards faster. Um, has like a lot of shield uh, abilities as, as said, well. So they're very there's a lot of buff in green, which is because it's the right. may, maybe it's just my play style, but I feel like it's the characters that I struggle against the most because you get like a Mega Man um, who's just giving all of his units crazy amounts of defense and shield right. as well, and that's when I know it's all gone horribly wrong. Um, maybe there's balancing yeah. that needs to be done, or most likely it's just me. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, like, uh, when the game first came out, X was like the lowest oh, okay. tier. Like he was, he was really, yeah, because he just didn't have, like it was defense, but mm -hmm. there wasn't enough cards to gain defense. There was like, you know, um, the, the charge effects were really good, but Chun-Li was kind of like the more preferred one because sure. her abilities were like shielding and giving more MP and you know playing stuff. Uh, the new set, the uh, Day of Nightmares, uh, gave X a lot of more abilities. That well, not like X, but cards. They they gave out more cards that uh, amplified defense, mm -hmm. and I really played to his special, which is you know one of his best specials is uh, whenever you gain a defense uh, like meter health, your attack goes up. So now that they implemented more cards for defense, you'll see so many more car like creatures of his uh, ramp up and have the crazy attack. So um, the best one, honestly, to me would be black. Um, well, just to, just to finish off the colors, purple is more like saboteur. Uh, they do a lot of abilities called halt, which is like slow down time, stops your opponent creatures uh, uh, from attacking for like five seconds. 10 seconds, 15 um, that's These are like the Dante Morgan uh, mm -hmm. uh, heroes. Uh, they do a lot of, you know, crazy abilities like like take your car, your, your opponent's creature out of the game, or uh, they have a lot of life uh, stealing. Basically, like Morgan does a lot of life stealing, gains, she gains life while dealing damage, things like that. And then you got Black, which uh, is Wesker and Bergigante. And basically what they're doing is a lot of sacrifice. Like you, you mentioned before, you sacrifice creatures, you sacrifice life, play creatures, um, and then you kind of gain them back. They play a lot with the graveyard. Uh, yeah. As, as I'll kind of, you know, hint toward, you know, later on in this, um, Wesker's probably the more, um, I don't want to say broken out of all the heroes, but he's the most consistent when it comes to uh, Wesker's really, really strong because of his ability to bring back uh, creatures like zombies. Mm -hmm. Perfectly goes with uh, Resident, Resident Evil and stuff. So, um, but yeah, look, the, the main thing is uh, is is understanding the MP charge and MP. Uh, I think that's the hardest thing that to get into because that is like the one mechanic from tap into the others is the way you gain mana and the way you play cards. Um, a lot of people rush to green because they want that charge. They want to play, play faster stuff. But uh, I, it's just how you want to play it and, and being able to time placing creatures um, is key. There's a lot of factors that are not just in-game mechanics, but also the way you play creatures, the way you play cards, your action you know, units, and, and things like that. So um, I can understand how it gets a little crazy and difficult because Timing is not a big, you know, it's a very new card games. Mm. Um, 
before it's like, oh, this is my turn. So I'll wait and I'll play my turn. And when yeah. my turn is over, then I'll pass my right? But this one is kind of like a free-for-all. It's kind of like play your card when you have time or, you know, and, and your opponent's going to be playing their cards whenever they have time. So it's kind of like uh, there is no actual turn. It's more like you're both waiting for your meter to Yeah. So uh, that's that's a part that really caught my eye. And that's what I think what's the most addictive part is being able to use your meter against your opponent and strategizing around uh, would make sense really fun. Yeah, so, so like the earliest kind of examples that you'd come across while playing that, like like you say, it's really tempting to just go, hey, I've got MP enough for this card, throw it out, and the MP enough for this card, throw it out, and that kind of thing, yeah. which you can screw yourself over quite easily um, by doing that, just by having like having a hand that you can't do anything with because you've just yeah there's no space for these better cards or whatever um but the the one thing that will you come across where you kind of changes this mindset is what's called the active response so if your opponent uh plays a spell card you get an opportunity to play one of your own as long as you have the mp the game gives you i think it's two extra mp when an active yep. response happens um but obviously that isn't going to really cut it for some of the higher level spells and the more effective um spell cards and and whatever uh, action cards i guess is the actual term and uh yeah so in that in that way it kind of almost feels like the Yu-Gi-Oh tv show because you're trying to outdo your opponent's trap cards and that kind of stuff like they'll right they're like oh right. i'm gonna buff this enemy so it's your chance to uh throw another card and they'll activate in sort of reverse order so the most recent card played and then back down to the beginning so for example, yeah, your opponent could buff an enemy, but if you've got a, an action card waiting there to destroy that buffed enemy just outright immediately. Um, so you need to hang on to that MP rather than just wasting it. So that's an absolute perfect example of just getting your head around the timing thing uh, for one yeah. thing. If I, if I could say this, um, that uh, mechanic right there is borrowed from Magic, uh, oh, okay. The Gathering. Oh, okay. It's called... Uh, uh, what they do is when they play spells, it's called being on the stack. So basically, like if I, uh, the the difference is is that in in this in Teppin, when you play a creature, it doesn't go on the stack. It's not something that you can respond to. It's only spells in Teppin. So like in Magic, I can play a creature, right? And I basically say, okay, I'm playing this, and anybody can respond anyway. Like they can say, hey, I'm gonna counter that creature spell everything's a spell to whenever you play something for bad mm -hmm. magic so i can counter that so and before that creature gets in it's getting the spell itself is countered but if i wanted to jump in and say no you know what i counter that spell your counter then the stack goes so then my counters first oh, counters okay, your counter cool. and then my creature get, gets it yeah so um magic the gathering was the first one that, that kind of did the stack ability um and a lot of card games kind of um, like touch on it a little bit, not as much as Magic did. But Teppin is the game that, that the card game that does uh, show that off a little bit more. Um, not with the creatures though. So like, if I can play a creature, and this is kind of um, if you really think about it, this is what makes it a little bit uh, like what decks stand out more than others. When I play a creature, let's say. Uh, I'm playing a, the Ryu deck, and my card says, when you play this card, deal four damage to an opponent's creature. 
there's nothing you can do about that. Like, I'll play the creature, and you're going to take 4 damage. Mm-hmm. Or your opponent's creature is going to take 4 damage. There's nothing you can do about it. But if I were to play a spell, um, like an action, that says deal 5 damage to this creature, you have the chance to respond to it. And yes, you are given uh, 2 extra MP for it. And the reason why they do that is so that you wouldn't kind of get chained up into, like, not being able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure Teppin and, and developers really wanted your, the opponent to have a response. Yeah. Um, that's why they gave you at least two meter, nothing crazy, but something that you could do um, to, to maybe kind of counter or, you know, try to save your creature or whatever, give it a shield, something like that. So, yeah, like, the, the, the abilities and in, in the kind of mechanics has been there for a while in the older games, but this was like the first game where it kind of really flushed it out and kind of uh, it's the one mechanic that's kind of confusing to a lot of people. I didn't even know about the the two MP plus <laughs> until like maybe a week after I started playing. So um, <laughs> it is something that you kind of pick up and learn from, yeah, uh, as you play. But uh, yeah, that 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 mechanic right there is really good. It gives a lot of strategy. Holding, like you said, holding cards. Um, you know, if I'm playing the Ryu deck, honestly, honestly, when I'm playing in ranked and I'm playing the Ryu deck, I'm not pressed playing any cards because I know my deck is a defensive deck. So I don't play anything until they play something. <laughs> and if they don't play anything, then I'll play a spell or something. That's yeah. it. You know, so uh, holding on to cards is very important. Uh, just so that you don't run out of MP and you can counter. Yeah, because that's that's when it can all go wrong, especially when you're playing against someone um, who right. knows the game. Um, if you're mind stuck games. with your MP. <laughs> exactly, mind games, you're right. Um, so in that respect, uh, Steve, how do you feel about the active response part of the game and that kind of gameplay? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Having only played against bots, I'm probably not getting the most out of it. But Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it generally boils down to, I'm going to play this. Oh, they've responded with this, which is going to do that. So can, do I have any other answer for this? And then... I've exhausted my MP, and and it's it's a bad mess when I do it. But I uh, I understand the idea, and that I can appreciate, especially after Broly's just really explained it even more thoroughly, because it means that I can go back to it and maybe approach it with a bit more of a tactical mind as opposed to just piling on. Yeah. I, I do like the concept, though, like you said, where it almost feels like you, you have to be very, very sure when you want to play these cards, because if you just chuck it out there and they have an even, they have a much more powerful response, but they want to bait you into getting that the two extra MP and stuff like that. that again, mm-hmm. you know, it's mind games. I love it. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's all part of it. And the experience is all part of it. Like the more you play, um, even you just, it's one of those things where even slight adjustments to your deck can make all the difference, right? Like you just take out one card and add one card extra and that can, that can change it up. So when it comes to what you said before about using the basic decks, it's when you get to the point of building your own and you can really plan out what you are doing in a game. That's, mm. that's, that's the, the first sort of big hill. It feels like Jordan, how do you feel about active response and uh, these parts of the gameplay? Well, I'm, I'm in the same camp as Steven. Uh, mm. I made a lot of mistakes with those kind of systems in that because uh, sure. you, you kind of treat it almost a bit like a, like a super. Um, so when you activate it, you think, all right, here's the big hit. But obviously there is a response uh, from your opponent. And it's not always, you know, the right thing to kind of activate as soon as you as soon as you get it, um, because you, you 
really, you know, as we talked about, it's, it's to do with the actual sort of playing off each other's sort of meters and the timings of everything. And so you kind of learn that over time. I mean, one thing I, I, I will say is that uh, because of, of the fast nature of the rounds, um, if you do make a mistake, if you do pick the wrong deck, if you if you are quite rusty on the rules, uh, you, it's quite easy to just get straight back into it after after a loss. Yeah. Um, and so you know it, it's it's interesting in that way because even though there's a lot of investment that you can do, um, you know, in building up a deck uh, ahead of time. When you actually kind of get to the battles, they're, they're quite short. It's it, it's not like something like uh, uh, you know, like a strategy game like Total War, where you <laughs> you could spend an hour, you know, building up, um, you know, a, a, a fantastic army, and then one kind of tactic can go horribly wrong, and you have to watch it kind of unfold for about an hour. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of it's it's one round. I I, I mean, I think each round kind of like, it feels like it takes maybe about like. One to three minutes, you know, mm, yeah. you know, roughly. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I mean, if you're really losing, then yeah, just like one minute, you're out, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like that aspect of it that it, it, you know, it's still quite forgiving to players, and it's kind of a, it's, it's a notion of, uh, you know, take a, you know, take minutes to to learn, but take yes. a longer time to sort of master. Yes. Um, I like I like that aspect. I didn't feel like I was completely kind of gated out from this game, to to put it one way, um, as if there is sort of a certain sort of level of sort of skill requirement. Definitely felt like quite an embracing game for for you know newbies like myself who kind of need a bit of more extra time to learn the ropes. Mm. I think that's important, really. I think that's what I wanted to have come out of this podcast for listeners that maybe haven't played the game. Is that you got to give it a try. Um, like, because it, it really is, and like I say, you two and, and myself included, um, we don't have huge amounts of experience with this, but, you know, you can take to it quite easily. So I think it is really worth uh, giving a try. And similarly, there's way more depth to this than I would expect it, because, like, like, even in 2019, and I know um, maybe just maybe it's my age showing, but I always feel like mobile gaming is still kind of a dirty term, like, like oh, mobile gaming, whatever, you know, the new Mario Kart, terrible, um, that kind of thing. <laughs> but you know what? There is, a, you know, plenty of good mobile games out there and it's it shouldn't be surprising. I don't mean it in a horrible way, but it's surprising this game actually has way more to it than it even really needs to. It could be complete shovelware, but it's not. There is actual time thought and support put in for this game like we said there's been updates with new characters and and new card packs and there's more to come presumably capcom i think are planning on supporting this for at least a year um and yeah i mean it's done pretty well it's got like three million downloads at this point just gonna skip forward just whilst we're talking about that in fact um since we have broly here um is there like a good competitive scene for this i've seen some stuff about like a, a world tournament of some kind coming up like what's the competitive scene like for teppen yeah i want to say like the beginnings of it um i I know that they had some uh invitational like pretty recently Mm -hmm. uh who won but uh the competitive side of it has really just been kind of like you know friendly one-on-one people just inviting each other friends inviting each other yeah showing off the rank i mean they do have a ranking system um have uh letters f or or e through a and then 
pass mm. through A, you get the chapter. You know, it gives you rewards and stuff like that. Um, but yes, you did mention about a big tournament uh, coming up soon. I actually need to enter that tournament soon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've been uh, hinting at, at making this more competitive. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They've used, yeah, they used the first few months to like really understand like what like how balanced the game is mm-hmm. um and and just to go back to your point about how much uh thought process gone into this game um i i i agree i mean like most games will come out as something really broken mm-hmm. and people are taking advantage of it but for this game like yeah it, it, if i was playing it like in a real competitive side like understanding understanding of it um yeah, Westgard's kind of like on a tier on his own and then the other characters are right behind him. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like more or less the game is balanced. There are counters to uh those decks and run into them and uh I've been able to play like three or four different types of decks because of all the cards I've got to collect. And um I think the game competitively is really good. Um uh, the game's getting, you know, balanced here and there. They've just added uh, Day of Nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, they're adding more when Nero comes out. Um, so I think they, they are listening to the to the people and, and the criticism, and they're balancing it really well. Um, and and I think more and more tournaments will start popping up uh, mm-hmm. relatively soon, starting with this huge, I think it was a $50,000 tournament. Damn. So, uh, it's yeah, I think I think it's it's heading in the right direction, and uh, I'm pretty excited for it. That's pretty cool. So yeah, basically, it, it's because it's early days, but it's good that it's, it's yeah, it's getting out there. It'll be interesting to see, maybe touch back on it in a year's time and see where it is. And now, reading the file, Elephant Keeper's Diary from Resident Evil Outbreak File Two, Carson K. When I was cleaning up the junk around here, I came across an old BGM tape. I played it to see what it was, and it was the old zoo parade theme. According to old man Joseph, there used to be a big elaborate parade in which they outfitted elephants and Christmas lights up until about 15 years ago. He says Oscar was the star of that parade for years. I let Lloyd have a listen, and he's convinced that it'll be worth money someday. He said I should dub it while I still have the chance. I think he's nuts, but it might be a good idea to copy it for posterity. Oscar sure has been acting strange lately. He's not sick or anything, but he just won't calm down. He got so excited at feeding time today that he broke a part of his cage. Nothing like that has ever happened before. Maybe I'd better have the vet take a look at him. Lloyd's been put on emblem duty this week, so he'll have to stick around longer than usual. He won't stop bitching about it, but he's got it easy, really. The dome is close to the front gate, after all. Speaking of which, I guess the dome is getting shut down toward the middle of next month. They're too damn cheap to tear it down, so it'll probably just sit there for years and rust. What a waste. So let's move on a little bit and talk about sort of the franchises that are represented, see what people feel about that, um, and the characters in the game, and stuff like that. Like... 
who have people maybe been tinkering with the most? Um, I'm just going to go off the bat. Uh, I'm going to quote um, Sphere Hunter on Twitter, um, who said basically about the game, if you put a cool character in a game, people will play it if they connect with them, in reference to her playing Teppan, because Jill had arrived. And I think that's fairly accurate for me. Like, I've played as Jill the most. Maybe that's because uh, I am such a big Resident Evil fan, uh, and I'm sure... For other people, it's same with them with like, oh, you know, they're huge DMC fans. So they booted up because they were curious about Dante in it or, or something like that. Um, other than that, yeah, I've used Mega Man and Chun-Li now and then because they're the characters I'm most familiar with. Morrigan here and there, even though it's not someone that I'm particularly au fait with, but I was interested in how her deck worked. I want to take a wild guess, Broly, and say one of the reasons, like you said, that you got into it was because of Chun-Li because you're a Chun-Li player. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I was uh, <laughs> such a huge Chun-Li fan, so yeah, I had to play me. <laughs> Steve, any particular characters that grabbed you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's Jill. It, yeah. It's pretty much Jill for me. There's <laughs> uh, something very... Uh, I just like the way it works. Plus, it's, you know, you, her base deck's filled with like Mikhail and loads and loads of Resi 3 references. Mm. And I, I do like the idea of the whole reloading stuff and things. I'm not sure if that translates over to the other characters, but it, it's pretty cool. And I like the... I'm guessing it's some kind of like getting it all uh, overseas thing, but the artwork itself having like uh, non-gun guns <laughs> yeah. and, and stuff like that. It just yeah. looks kind of groovy. <laughs> Definitely gives it its own style, that's for sure. Yeah, I, like I say, I, I, I'm not the most deep. I, I, you know, reuse fun as well. There's something about just like getting that, that tactical Shinku Hadouken mm-hmm. and wrecking things. But I, I said I'm, I'm much more casual than... Yeah, that's probably. fair enough. Yeah. In terms of Jill, like... It's they've thematically done her well. I think Brody mentioned before about explore being like an aspect of the game that they've really pushed with her character. Like a bunch of her um, arts use the explore command, which will give mm. you extra items and stuff like that. And it's just even the word is just like that's so perfectly Jill, you know. And it's the Day of Nightmares pack is really heavily um, looks at the Raccoon City incident, like Resident Evil 3 and Operation Raccoon City as well. Um, and Explorer is such a great word for that and her journey and that kind of thing. So it's it's really fitting. And even more than that, just great to hear Patricia Jolie back as her voice actor. Like, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. It's uh, RE5 and Umbrella Chronicles, Jill, Absolute, isn't it? Yeah, which is really cool, unexpected. Um, they could have just... it's Again, it's a mobile game. They could have got anyone at all, but... They got the official voice actor. Obviously, DC is Wesker as well. It's just, uh, yeah, just cool. Like, the voice acting can get repetitive in these games, and this is not, like, not excluded in any way. But just wonderful to have her back. Jordan, yeah. any particular characters? Oh, sorry, Steve, go on. I was just, I was just, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jordan. Well, I, I, I just looked to the Resident Evil characters, so I largely kind of dabbled with, with Wesker and Jill, and primarily Jill. Um, I, 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 yeah, I do, I do like the aspect of the kind of explore because I was, I was wondering exactly how that worked because I was, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, is that like something specific to Jill, um, based on the different characters and that, um, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously, as far as sort of like the character roster goes, it's, it's kind of what you uh, would expect really mm-hmm. when it comes to kind of like any kind of Capcom All Stars title. Those are kind of like your your main characters. It's like Mario Kart. There's always going to be a Mario, a Luigi, a Donkey Kong, a Bowser, a Peach, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they kind of feel like the, um, the the base characters that you would always expect. I'm kind of interested to see 
where they're going to go with the additional characters. Obviously, bringing in someone like Jill was sort of that, that was quite obvious, um, made sense. And um, who's, who's the next character again? Is it, is it Virgil? You say Nero, so close. Nero, um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So the sort of the, the secondary characters they're going to start like you know coming in i'm i'm going to be most interested in that in seeing uh which characters get the spotlight because capcom kind of does a rotation yeah outside of sort of like the the main kind of marquee characters um they kind of do a rotation on which kind of characters are getting the spotlight in any of their their sort of all-star clash titles um but That's i think it's a, it's a it's a it's a nice um it's a nice roster to kind of start with it really kind of represents the um the franchises pretty well I'm surprised we haven't got Ken or Akuma yet, to be honest. I could see Akuma being the uh, the Street Fighter uh, additional character, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so whilst we're on the subject then, what do we think about Day of Nightmares as a pack? Uh, like, Does anyone else think it's particularly interesting that they chose Resident Evil as the first pack? Um, technically, it is Capcom's biggest franchise, but at the same time, I kind of would have expected them to do Monster Hunter because of its, like, a really modern hit for them, uh, or even Street Fighter, but just because of the crossover appeal that Street Fighter has always had. Um, so, I'm not, yeah, it's just really interesting to me that they picked Resident Evil to begin with, and that they picked Jill and all this stuff from... <laughs> well, it's really interesting that they picked Operation Raccoon City, let's not dance around it, but it seems like they maybe are riding the Remake 2 wave and the, the expectations for Remake 3. Uh, Steve, what do you reckon about that? I I'm I'm kind of surprised as well because I was honestly wondering why they didn't do a tie into like Iceborne. What with it being mm. the next big Monster Hunter thing, I I kind of it's it's a strange call. But Operation Raccoon City's characters were kind of I suppose for a lot of people the draw these uh, these edgier like more <laughs> stylized spec ops, and then you've got the you know the Delta team as well. I you know I I appreciate the fact that we've got the spec ops guys because they felt like they were going to be more not Capcom related because they're just US Army but still yeah it, it, it's interesting to see and if there was one thing to take away from Operation Raccoon City and enjoy about it it was the characters they added because the gameplay was a touch clunky mm. it is, so to bring them back yeah I'll take it it is weirdly nice to see them again it's just like there's characters with like Echo Six characters on there, and I just had to like I did a double take to be honest. I was like, oh, these guys, I forgot about these guys. <laughs> you know, you, you know what, you know what this is. This is this is like a sort of almost a Star Wars syndrome, where you know obviously the prequels got panned so much, but you see a lot of love for the likes of Darth Maul or the <laughs> idea of you and McGregor coming back as Obi Wan Kenobi for a series. There's that inherent belief as fans that even though this first stint at a you know a particular kind of branch uh, or installment didn't quite go as planned there's still that kind of hope that you can kind of take the positives from that and kind of build on that mm. and especially in entertainment these days there's a lot more sort of second chances given to certain uh, you know franchises it doesn't have to always kind of you know just go up in smoke and so i suppose that's the kind of reverence you get where it concerns Operation Raccoon City, which, which was not a stellar game, but people can still take the positives away from the, the things that they liked, the things that initially drew them in, even if the end product, you know, wasn't fantastic. And so the fact that they're still kind of getting that representation in the law, it's encouraging because mm. uh, there's still that love for them, at least. 
I think yeah, it's... better than leaving them on the wayside forever and ever, and you're never seeing them again. Yes, you there know? is yeah. that. There's definitely that, but also at the same time, it's kind of, <laughs> it's also kind of like they're over here in this card game. Don't worry, they're nowhere near the actual series, but look, <laughs> they still exist. <laughs> I, I kind of get that feeling with regards to Castlevania. Whenever Circle of the Moon um, gets that kind of uh, recognition, because it's not meant to be part of the canon, but it's oh, just nice dude. when it does get that recognition. It's a jab at Cy liking Circle of the Moon. <laughs> no, I like Circle of the Moon. I was, I'm always, I'm always crushed when you know Nathan Graves doesn't get any kind of recognition in in the Castlevania lore. So it's it's more a point about sometimes you get those minor characters that don't get the representation. We always go on these Castlevania tangents, so I'm going to try and get back in. Broly, how do you feel about Day of Nightmares and uh, the ch- the choice to have Resident Evil as the first pack? Um, yeah, I'm very excited for it. I mean, I was uh, I was really uh, kind of shocked when. When Jill was the first character mm. uh, coming to to step in, it wasn't like you know. I mean, I saw Wesker. I mean, I saw the Street Fighter characters, and so I was wondering like if if they were even gonna add anybody else. Yeah, um, that's fair. And yeah, they they actually added uh Jill, and they they kind of like expanded the explorer uh, mm. ability, which is kind of like a little bit sad because you would want it just for Jill's decks, but they actually started putting it in uh the other colors as well like mm. green has some exploring now purple and black has explorer as well uh for different kind of combos and different uh tactics and stuff like that but um but yeah i, I was really uh i liked seeing all the new resident evil stuff new resident evil cards uh it seems to me that they're kind of going the route like all right what, what did we do this year okay the first thing was uh resident evil 2 so they brought in a Resident Evil character. Next is uh, Devil May Cry 5. So now they're bringing Nero. And I'm guessing after Nero, it's probably going to be a Monster Hunter uh, for Iceborne. So probably they're going like, to expand on the Iceborne thing. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, in maybe. the way future. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like, um, yeah, it was, it was really uh, surprised and excited. And yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at my card uh, or deck usage, I probably use Jill the most as well. So mm. she's really fun. Uh, Love her explorability, love all her abilities, and uh, yeah, I think it was a, a really good first expansion to bring out all the Resident Evil stuff, so I was really excited for it. Yeah, hopefully it sort of starts a wave of excitement, and they they keep this up with like new packs every couple of months. I know the next one's planning to come in November, so that's, that's pretty good. Um, so if we're going to see a new character and a new pack every few months, that's really going to help keep interest in the game up. So since we're on the subject of Resident Evil, uh, I'm just going to move on to some specific cards. So one of the things about Teppan that really uh, caught the community on fire was just the, the incredible artwork. And we have to talk about just the just how beautiful this game is uh, and how beautiful some of the card artwork is done. And it's been mentioned before. I think Tony mentioned it in our Barry episode when he was uh, a guest. He was, we were talking about Teppan. And a lot of this artwork is just done by so many different artists, but it feels so consistent in the game. And some of the yeah. artwork, it's, it's not even just like, hey, here's a character. Some of it's like really specific uh, callbacks and stuff that's really cool to see finely represented like visually each car's got like a credit for who draws it as well yes, don't they? Or, it does yeah. yeah which is really nice that's always cool um, mm. I, I haven't kept track maybe the, my favourite cards are all 
by the same artist. Who knows? That'd be a fun thing to go and have a look at, maybe. Um, so, has anybody got any particular favorite card arts that they want to want to mention? Uh, Jordan, why don't we start with you? Yeah, as far as like specific cards, no. But I I was very impressed by just the sheer breadth of original artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the most important thing. It's, first... all, it's all original artwork, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah, um, and I was really surprised by that because, you know, um, not not to kind of, you know, uh, do any sort of disservice to the to the game by reusing assets, but Capcom have obviously released so much material, especially crossover material, um, that you you wouldn't have sort of been that surprised if they had reused some artwork and mm. some music. From what I understand, that all the music is original as well. I mean, there's certainly not arrangements that I've I've heard before. True. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the main point. That it's it's just very impressive, very consistent art style. Um, of course, they might obviously deviate from that art style as time goes on, and they you know bring in different artists, and they maybe just kind of go with sort of waves of of different uh, aesthetics and stuff like that. But to to start with, yeah, there's um, just some fantastic artwork there. Um, it's only a shame that I'm I'm playing on an iPhone SE, so like my screen's quite small. So <laughs> a lot of the artwork um, I go and appreciate sort of online and go and actually look at into yes. a full resolution yes i would definitely recommend that as well to people i think um i think it was adam made a fair point it was like it's a shame that there isn't a desktop version of this game um for a few reasons it'd just be nicer to play um sometimes rather than just on a phone but yeah you get a, a yeah. better look at the fantastic artwork uh broly what are some of your favorite cards to look at the card that i like the most is the Joe legendary one from the new set um really captures her well like kind of like running uh away i guess from tyrant mm. um tyrant's another one that i really like the most because it, it's cool because it has two like images like he's a card that when he dies uh the other tyrant comes out like like oh, the yeah. unleashed one the super yeah. tyrant comes out so uh that one's really good um obviously the chun li the the big the rare chun li card that comes out you can collect uh leveling up uh is a really good card uh, yeah i agree with 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 uh what everyone says about you know the artwork is really good um you can actually go and see them like if you don't want to just see them on your phone you can definitely go to the mm-hmm. website it has all the cards there viewable uh to see so uh there's a lot of cards out there that's really nice uh but yeah i think chun li favorite that's fair enough steve any favorite cards uh, I have a bias, but it's mostly the ones that I can recognize as redraws or similar to draws <laughs> of like older promo artwork. Oh, interesting. Like, for example, yeah, like uh, I think it's one of Ada, the, the Ada cards and Rebecca cards. They're like, all, like I recognize these from CG promo shots, but they've been redrawn and they look awesome. <laughs> uh, if I had to be honest, though, I think my, my shining favorite of them all is it's actually it's, it's technically not a card, so I'm cheating, but I like Jill's ending shot. From mm. her little ending story, because it's literally the like a redraw of the RE three opening. Yes, and and it, it just looks so on point. I, I you know it's it's cool as all hell. That and any time I see a Resident Evil character with a sci fi Tron gun, I kind of giggle. <laughs> I'll run down some actually. So these would be my recommendations for Resident Evil fans that would be uh, curious to see some of this amazing artwork. 
Um, so some of my favourites are Inheriting Ambition, which is Wesker murking Spencer, recreating the um, RE5 scene as well. Um, one that is just great because we've never seen it represented, even though it's been part of the canon for however long, is Ruthless Retrieval, which is the card uh, with Wesker taking a sample from Steve's body after Code Veronica, which is really cool. Um, you've got a couple that are just, it's just nice to see these characters shown, just like we were saying about um, Echo 6 and Wolfpack and stuff like that. Um, you get Enrico cards, you've got Forrest with the, the massive grenade launcher in his hands. Yeah. Um, there's Commando, I think it's called Command Team, which is all of Star's Alpha Team, including Joseph. Even if he's only kind of slightly in the back, you get to see Star's Alpha Team all together. I love that. Ada's cards are all purple cards, which is just funny to me because, like Brody pointed out, they're all... Saboteur is the great word for the purple decks. <clears throat> so it's really fitting for Ada, all of her cards to be purple. Um, even, like, there's really interesting stuff to me, like Just Desserts, which is the card that Steve tweeted out, which is the OG Resident Evil oh, yeah. 2 Irons. <laughs> I love that image. Oh it's it's a great image. It's a great image for one thing. But it's also really interesting to me that they use that design and the sherry design from the classic Resident Evil 2 uh, yeah, rather than no the remake. remake stuff here, is there? Yeah, they, not they, a single remake thing yet. Not at all. They've not even represented it. There's stuff that goes way back. Like there's a Wesker card of him in his stars uniform reviving himself after the first game. That's really cool. And this, that's a that's a old school throwback. That design. Um, so yeah. But nothing from the remix, which is interesting. But I kind of like it that way as well. Like, they're really paying homage to the whole series. Like, there's even a card of Marcus's dead body and the leeches crawling over him, going in his mouth from RE0. Like, just what a absolute grab bag of great stuff. Definitely. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I kind of feel like if, uh, you know, Pie in the Sky stuff, I get the feeling Remake 2 would probably be a later expansion and they'll make a big deal about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, if they want to unveil, say, Leon as a character, they'll use Remake Leon and he'll bring all his Remake cards. Mm, could That's, do, definitely. It's just a theory. A Steve theory. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, if they, were, if they ever get to the point, and I don't see why they ever would, if they got to the point where they were running out of franchises to represent in different ways, just like a, a refresh of all the characters that are already in there, but with new designs... Yeah, just go mm. and remake two. They've all got their own brand new redesigns for it. So why ever not? I guess. Mm. Um, so I mean, they do. They do. They do have a, a Tyrant is from the remake in, in one of the cards. Oh, is uh, it? Yeah, I'll I'll put it. In, go for it. Card, but yeah, it's definitely uh, the, the new one with the trench coat. Um, mm, I suppose that's debatable. Um, like, it, like it really just it comes down to if he has the hat on and he doesn't. So, the hat. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 the hat. Right? <laughs> uh, okay. The hat should just be its own card. <laughs> yes, sure. the tyrant hat. I would never use it. It's true. But yeah, I think I, I agree with everybody. I think that maybe they'll save it for later. Mm. Um, maybe they just kind of want to hit it, hit it home and and kind of keep it, you know, original and basically go to classic. That, what I mean, people are more familiar with. So. Yeah, there's something to be said about nostalgia with these cards as well. Like, like I just like I'm geeking out over here because of these moments. Just because yeah. you know they mean something to me as a longtime fan, and I'm sure, obviously, we're talking about this because we're a Resident Evil podcast. I'm sure there are similarly represented moments and characters and designs in all the other franchises that I don't know nearly as well as Resident Evil. That you know, if you're a fan fan of those, that it's probably like really cool to see that as well. 
I mean, some of these would be really kick-ass posters and stuff like that that you could put on your wall. Yeah, I mean, that detailed absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. All right, well, uh, let's close up the Teppan discussion. Um, if anyone has any closing thoughts, I think I've fair, made myself fairly clear in that if you haven't tried it out, I would definitely recommend it. Um, as Jordan so perfectly put it, um, it, it's, it can be difficult to get to grips with to begin with, but then you're, you're, it, it's easy once you've figured out the basics, and then from then on, you get to figure out how to master it if, you, if it really takes your fancy. Uh, Steve, what are your closing thoughts on Teppan? Uh, it's free. You should try it. <laughs> no, 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 honestly, uh, as someone who doesn't play card games generally, I have had nothing but fun with it, and I'm able to just like bully my way through and be, you know, not always, but mostly very aggressive and still managing to plot, you know, punch through the AI and have fun. I think mm. I might after the podcast and maybe some time to reflect on my uh, my life choices. I might actually go and play against other people. And build a tactical deck as opposed to just, you know, ham-fisting my way through. Fantastic. It's, it, it, it's open to newcomers, I think, more mm. so than you'd let on. And don't let the, uh, you know, the, the active part of it, like, bewilder you. Mm. Just, you know, think about what you're going to do before you do it and stuff like that, maybe. Mm. That's the same for all card games, Steve. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know I saw your thunder somewhat, Jordan, but final thoughts on Teppan? Uh, yeah, if you... If you play card games or you know about card games, definitely play this. If you are familiar with fighting games or you're familiar with Capcom, definitely try this. Mm. As I say, it's free. Um, and you don't have to kind of sink too much time into it for it to click. Um, the only recommendation I wouldn't give, and it's from my own personal experience, is that if you want to play this sort of long term, definitely play it on a bigger phone. I'm playing it <laughs> on an iPhone SE. And I wouldn't recommend the iPhone SE version unless you have macro lenses for eyes. Um, there's there's just too much there's too much detail um, to really kind of be shown on a screen of that kind of size. But most people have phones much bigger than that anyway. Um, I, I think eventually it will come to a PC release. I, I, I think the yeah. popularity could lead to that. I could see that as well. And Broly, what are your final thoughts on Teppan? I mean, if you're a fan of uh, Capcom and you like characters in card form this is the game for you <laughs> you got to, to play a bunch of different characters of your fan favorites and uh that's what kind of got me into it I, it wasn't really much about uh the mechanics or mm. uh anything like that it was just hey look there's chun Li, and i mm. get to play her again all right i'll, I'll try it and it got me hooked yeah definitely absolutely. free definitely fun and uh yeah play the tutorial on the single player it helps out a lot in the beginner to kind of get the feel of the game. Absolutely. So with that, we'll move on to our bite-sized discussion this week. That corrupt organization must be stopped. Genesis, activate! I can't let it end here! Time for my secret weapon! You'll feel it in the morning! And so our bite-sized discussion this week somewhat jumps off from Teppan, and I was going to go around the room, and we're going to talk about our favourite Capcom crossover games. So, 
Uh, Jordan, why don't we start with you? What's your favourite Capcom crossover? Because there's been a lot of them at this point. There obviously are plenty of uh, crossovers, and I guess we can kind of count uh, Project X Zone in that as well. Which yeah, absolutely. So so many different studios. For me personally, I've always had a soft spot for Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for the for the Wii, um, it was such a kind of out there sort of release because there weren't that many fighting games on the Wii, and yet this one was a really solid one. Um, I also think it was almost, I think it was a bit of a precursor to. Marvel versus Capcom three uh, uh, in terms of engine, um, and yeah, it had some kind of interesting features. It featured like franchises like Lost Planet, which don't typically get much of a spotlight. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah, um, so that that's my choice. Fair so enough. No versus Capcom. Broly, what's your favorite Capcom crossover game? Is it Teppen? <laughs> no, it's not. It, this is a uh, this is probably uh, surprise a lot of people, but. <clears throat> um, there was this free game that Capcom released a long time ago. Uh, it was Mega Man Cross Street Fighter. That oh, game is yeah! Really yeah. fun. Oh, I forgot that game about that. Really, really fun. Yeah. I know I know they kind of made like an updated version of it. Not like recent. It was like right after that added like Akuma, I think. And mm-hmm. Bison. Mm. But that game was so much fun. The stages were so good. The music at 8-bit level was just so great. Um, definitely need to find out where to get that game again, but uh, it was so fun. I, I think it's one of my favorite crossover And Steve, what's yours? Uh, I, I'm torn, but teenager college day Steve is going to turn around in a drunken stupor and say, I have wasted so many nights with my friends on Capcom versus SNK 2. It's unreal. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I mean, I love the SNK King of Fighters stuff as well, and mm-hmm. I'm fighting Fatal Fury as that, so putting that in the same room as Street Fighter, uh, yeah, I have more than enough memories to count. Capcom versus SNK 2 is uh, probably my favorite crossover. I mean, I, I like a lot of them, like the X-Men ones, Marvel ones, but that one, that one's the one that shines out for me. I really hope we get a third one ever, maybe. Mm. Maybe, please, Capcom, please. Well, who knows, because actually one of mine relates to that, but I did want to give a special shout-out to Project Cross Zone that Jordan mentioned. It's not something I've actually ever played. It's always just been something that I've been curious about, so I can't really pick it. But it's, as a uh, someone that grew up with Sega, and it's a crossover between Capcom, Sega, and Bandai, I believe, um, I was always kind of curious about what exactly that was and what exactly that game was like but um my my number one pick <laughs> is such a cheat answer it's super smash brothers ultimate <laughs> <laughs> it's the first two <laughs> of course some, someone had to right i mean so... i like tekken 7 but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it has to be said that um nintendo handle other people's characters with such respect and Mega Man appearing in Smash Brothers was such a moment for me and it is just like it's ridiculous to say but it is like playing a Mega Man game and a fighting game all at once and then following on from that obviously Ryu and now Ken in Ultimate as well honestly it's one of those things where I could very easily see another Capcom character getting in even though it's the first franchise and I think it's the only franchise to have three characters represented I really could see a fourth. I'd be pulling for Dante, personally. Even as someone who is very unfamiliar with Devil May Cry, he just feels like he fits. Um, But, yeah, they've just done such a good job representing the Street Fighter and the Mega Man stuff and all the music and the stage. It's just just great to see those characters really um, involve themselves with 
all of that crossover that Smash Brothers has as well. And like Steve mentioned as well, SNK, there's a character coming to Smash as well. So who knows, maybe you'll get your Capcom SNK 3 spawning off from the popularity. It's not unheard of for Smash to like reignite franchises, so... Yeah, with mm. with more characters coming to Smash Bros. Actually, one of my bets was that Jill Valentine will make it into the yeah. game. Uh, I so think Jill Valentine's Jill Valentine does represent to me sort of like the most popular character in in Resident Evil. Um, e- e- even if like you know missed out certain games um, like Resident Evil Two, just has that popularity and. That Not even Ari Four Jacket Leon though. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that's the bad, uh, that's the official. Listen, answer it would be leon i think technically speaking i i remember the days of fake imdb listings where (laughs) somehow leon kennedy's voice actor was supposedly in brawl no i i I personally my my money would be on jill i may have modded claire redfield into smash brothers brawl but i'd love it for for it to be jill honestly that would be great all right, well, let's let's wrap this one else up. Uh, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprepod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can also ask questions for the bite-sized discussion, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast on and also on our social media profiles. You can find Follow us on Twitter at FA Spray Pod, on Instagram at FA Spray Pod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. Our next episode will be our 15th. It's this season finale. Yes, we are drawing close to our first year. I'm going to leave it under wraps what exactly we're up to. We have schemes. Let's hope it all comes together. Uh, it should be a really, really good time that's all i'll say thank you to the panel you can follow us all individually i'm at siniac underscore one two three steve is at fire button games jordan is at cereal box 64 and broly is at broly legs and finally thank you for listening and have a good week So before we get into the news, one last bit of sort of housekeeping. Hello? Um, Oh, what's going on? Did somebody drop? So good. Okay, Uh, maybe just me then. That's fine. Uh, Okay, so before we get into the main part of this... Oh, hang on. Bye, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Steve! Come back to us! All right, there we go. Oh, that's, that's such a that's such a horror movie trope where like you oh, think no. somebody's about to go down and then they're like I'm fine and then next scene they go <laughs> just down <gone>. instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I, I have no idea where we got to. It just, just went. Boom. That's that's yeah. fine. <laughs>